Captain. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. I don't want any baloney, magic tricks, or psychological mumbo jumbo. Broadcasting to you from a location outside of time and space, this is Liminal Unlimited. I'm Kyle Thatcher. I'm Jenny Thatcher. And today we have special guests from the hit paranormal podcast, The Wellhouse Exorcism. It's true. We have Shanna. Bonjour. And PJ. Hello. Dynamite. Welcome. <laughs> this is so exciting. Welcome to the well house. We are in the well house. We are, yeah, we are, in, you yeah. are literally casting from the well house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a place outside of time or space. It's it's the well it's house. The well house. <laughs> yes, this is definitely this the is definitely an well alternate dimension. Basement. And there was an exorcism. And there was an exorcism. Yes. It's not alternate, we're right Tune here. Tune in to the well house exorcism. In an alternate universe, we'll be in a rich basement. <laughs> 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 we don't have card troubles <laughs> yeah. and go problems. That'd be nice. For anyone who doesn't know, PJ is my little bro. Sup? Jana is his lovely this wife. Universe. Yes. Correct. Yes. And you're my wife. Yes. And I'm your husband. True. It's usually how it works. You're not my husband. For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Till you find better. Till David Coverdale becomes available. Oh, David Coverdale. Here, scooch if you're in, listening, scooch I in love little, you. Scooch in a little bit, honey, so we can hear you just a little better. Pedro Pascal for me. Ooh, Thank you. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, Pedro Pascal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. We love you, Pedro. So mm-hmm. why don't you guys, well, why don't we start off, how about you guys tell us, uh, Shanna, what is your podcast all about? Stuff and things, things and stuff. <laughs> but what kind of things and stuff? <laughs> So we started a podcast about a year ago, and we do a trio of podcasts. Yep. It was all PJ's idea. So he runs Games Overboard. So that is our mothership. And so mine is a subsidiary. So PJ's podcast is? Uh, so we do Games Overboard. We review board games. We interview game designers and talk about uh, like their uh, journeys through making games and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and it is number 15 in Finland. It is number 15 in Finland. That's right. Yeah, that in is board game podcasts. in board game podcasts. I, it could I, be 14 th- now. We don't know. I yeah. think that's true. I think we're probably uh, number 53 in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gaining a following in Singapore, <laughs> I feel like. Congratulations. So, so we're working on that. So the subsidiaries, then, are the Wellhouse Exorcism, which is what I run. And then we have Danger and Dice, too, which is kind of a collaborative, fun side genre. Yeah, we just play D&D and record our sessions, and it's, yeah. Trippy it's hilarious. and crazy. And ridiculous. Yes. It's, a, it's in the real play genre. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Literally yes. playing live. But the Wellhouse Exorcism, we focus... Well, it started with us discussing our house and Laura's house, um, which you had mentioned in passing in one of your past uh, podcast episodes. So we start with Laura and Ray's story as like an episode zero, and then we do a three-part series for our house because yep. we had a lot of stuff happening in here, hence the Wellhouse. 
Um, and then we had Dexercised. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we've kind of branched out to Pennsylvania. We generally stay in PA. We did do Robert the Doll just because it kind and of connected. And the Catskill Mountains. We yeah. did an episode there. Because it connected with the doll there. But Honey, we... is there anything you'd like to say right now publicly to Robert the Doll? No. No, I have nothing to say. <laughs> we think all of our recent travels. No, no you think. No, you that's think. your You brought it up. Because he made fun of him. You think. Watching a TV show about him. And you don't do that. Well, yeah. You need it's, to that's just only if you're, like, apologize. talking to him in person, though. I can't yeah. hurt. Yeah, I don't think he listens to Liminal Unlimited. <laughs> I, I think you should hop on to our Robert the Doll podcast and hear all about that. You know, Fun thing is, Kyle has been on our podcast, and I just want to say, now that we have your listeners here, you have a spot, a segment every week on my podcast. <laughs> Don't understand why we can't have Shanna shenanigans or something fierce, because I actually have a theory from your most recent episode. Oh, okay. Well, why, oh, yes. yeah. Why, why don't you, since we're not going to do Shanna shenanigans, why don't you take this opportunity? <laughs> it could be Shanna's parallel universe. We discuss just the paranormal. See, parallel paranormal. I got it. I can make alliteration. I'm an English teacher by train. But what, uh, what's, what's your uh, theory? So, Jen, you read a story about a doggo. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there was a story yeah. you just did with the um, and we oh, have wait, a common... I read the doggo story. Right? Yeah, where it's the oh, dog. Had, he he lets the dog in. Yeah. Oh, that was your story? Okay, so yeah. so check it. First off, you made fun of people get 5 o'clock in the morning. We're right here. Okay, <laughs> some of us actually go into our jobs daily. It's we horrible. don't work virtually. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> but so he goes downstairs, lets the dog out, comes back in. Then, of course, the dog's there later. So we have decided mm -hmm. that he let in something demonic because he opened the door to it. And it's black. It's shadowy, right? Shadow figures are very much the demonic kind of, well, we have personal experience. <laughs> so we know a little bit about that. By the way, this is the wall where we saw the creature. Again, listen Ooh. to my podcast so you can hear that story. Um, so we have uh, some background on that. But I think he let something in because when the dog comes back, of course, you have the dog growling at a wall. So we think it was paranormal. Now, I talked to Laura today, my sister, and she has a theory that the dog entered a time loop. And so... Uh, oh, we discussed that last night, actually, yeah, on our podcast. Yeah, yes. that was... Well, after. Her theory, so. After, I think, yeah. yeah. I told her about your podcast episode, too, because I'm like, mm -hmm. I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good theory. That's a good theory. Well, there's a poltergeist cat in Gettysburg. Again, listen to our podcast and you hear all about it. Now, I don't... Can there be poltergeist cats? <laughs> Absolutely. I thought, I thought a poltergeist was its own thing. Like a, Maybe the a poltergeist wants to be a cat. semi-sentient energy that's, like, emanated from a person. Well, I mean, listen. poltergeist is just noisy ghost. But, I mean, so, like, the classic definition. If it's, a, if it's a ghost cat. If it's a, if it's a haunt <laughs> that is intelligent, maybe it's like, yeah. ha, look how cute I am, wink, wink, but really, I'm a, I'm a bad a one. furry. Now, a oh, my <laughs> Oh, no. A poltergeist can kick up, like, other spirit activity. Mm -hmm. Listen, Kyle, yeah. if our problem was a cat in this house, I would have been so happy. <laughs> like, don't don't you dare knock that cup off that, you know, whatever, there goes the cup. Like, I would, whatever, yeah. much better than what we went through. Yeah, really. <laughs> so the subject, though, of today's episode is all about the infamous, the infamous which means more, more than, than famous. famous. Skinwalker. Technically, it means not famous. <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> Debbie Downer. <laughs> English teacher. Skin, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. In the beautiful pastoral Uinta Basin of Utah. It's true. 
Um, so uh, we're I think this is going to be a two part episode. Yep. Um, on the first part of the episode today, we're going to cover uh, mainly the experiences of the Shermans and their time, because that's really when the ranch gets kind of infamous, is when the Shermans live there. I would say it gets kind of snappy. <laughs> and, and all this crazy stuff happens. Um, you know, just wild, out there, weird stuff on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seeing and experiencing things. And when the story gets out, which they weren't really the ones who kind of like put it out there as far as I could tell. It's sort of like other people from the area were like, hey, did you hear about the Sherman place? <laughs> and it becomes like a local story, then a state story, then a national story. And next thing you know, you have very uh, high-level interests with big money wanting to get in oh, yeah. on the on the act. Um, Still big money getting in on the act. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now you've, of course, got television <laughs> shows and documentaries. you got the History Channel all over it. Aliens. Yeah. So, so, anyway, so we kind of, what? Anything, honey? No? So... <laughs> <laughs> You gave me that pensive look of, like, I want to say something. Well, I kind of do, but I want to see where you're going first. No, you say your thing. I'm, I'm Well, I was just wondering how, how we want to start with. You want to talk about what skinwalkers yeah, are? Yeah, listen, Shanna's sweetie. Prepared. Yeah, let's, let's get okay, started. Okay. I mean, because it wasn't originally called Skinwalker Ranch. Right. It, what it is had, a skinwalker? It had very banal general names, you mm-hmm. know. It was, like, initially the Sherman Ranch, you know, once they bought it. Um, or do we call them the Gormans? Do you want to go with their pseudonym or stick with the real name? No, because everybody knows the real <laughs> the name. Sherman. They, they <laughs> came out publicly, it's too. all they, over the place. So. Kind of hard not to call them the Shermans now. But the, Sherman. the the whole background of Skinwalker Ranch is in the legend of the Skinwalker. So, Shannon, why don't you start us off and tell us what the heck is a Skinwalker? Well, thank you, Kyle. First off... I just want to say I'm a long-time listener, first time <laughs> caller, first time on your show. Go ahead, caller. Um, I'd like to have many more of these Shanna shenanigans with you. Anyway, <laughs> and PJ's done a lot of research in the background, too. I bought a book. Oh, yeah. What, what, <laughs> what, what is the book? Uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker. It's um, one of the most detailed accounts of you know the Shermans and the ranch. And the um, the NIDS investigation, which we'll get into next well, episode. It's by, sure. yes. it's by who? A, it's by a NIDS uh, employee who yeah, was right. on the Dr. ranch. Dr. Kellner, right? Colm Kelleher, right? Yep. Colm Kelleher. He's Colm Irish. Keller. Yeah, he's very Irish. Colm Kelleher. Well, he's American tonight, because I'm not reading in that accent. <laughs> <laughs> and then the skinwalker came over the hill. And... <laughs> well, I said, blimey. <laughs> Did they say blimey? Nope, they don't. <laughs> like, Wait a second. Say. Now he was like, now your he was dad like, doesn't say blimey. Now he was like, crikey, it's a lizard person. <laughs> I think we just offended so many different... You are not going to be number one in Australia now. <laughs> I don't want to check anyone's cloaca. Anyway. <laughs> so we... Um, did light reading with that. Now, we do agree that when it comes to this book, while it is very detailed, it is embellished. So you have the stories, but there's little extra. Yeah, until you get into Colm's first-hand accounts. What his stories of the Shermans, like, yeah. that uh, the Shermans have said, like, he, you know, like, it's all true, 
but maybe not to the extent that he puts it at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said I, everything happened that's in this book, yeah. but just not that fluffy. <laughs> and, and as far as I know, even some of the stuff that actually happened when they were doing the NIDS investigations, some of that stuff he can't put in yeah, writing. It's all, yeah, it's all confidential. Because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they had to sign NDAs and Bigelow is holding all the data, mm-hmm. you know, and all that kind of... But we'll get into that on the second yeah, episode. I have a whole folder on Bigelow, so... <laughs> we're going we're gonna to put him aside for now. When you tell me to do research, mama research, I actually, I have a meme for you. I'm going to post to your Twitter page, and it's, I like to move it, but it's, I like to research, research. Oh, You're welcome. Oh, boy. I'm on the new machine. So, first off, what is a skinwalker? Now, do you want to hit that up, or do you want me to? Go for it. All right. Lay it on us. We so, can dig it. Oh, uh, you can dig it? Are you sure? It's <laughs> I didn't want to go into the detail of how they actually become skinwalkers, because I just wrote down, to become one is awful. That's all. <laughs> That's a little lot for me to explain all of that nasty. So this name Skimwalker actually comes from Navajo uh, folklore, which is interesting because we discussed the Uinta Basin. So you have to understand the background of all the Native American tribes, the Paiute and the Navajo and the Uinta, or the Utes, to actually understand what a Skinwalker is because it's a curse that was placed on the Utes because the Navajo, because they do not get along. They're not simpatico. And the poor Paiutes are just kind of tossed in. They're like, what's going on, y'all? Okay. And it all comes because of, um, no surprise, the missionaries coming to fix the pagans and convert them to Catholicism as a Catholic. Oof. All right. Yeah. So in any case, so I, you have to get into that background first. Uh, so Spanish missionaries came and they wanted to turn those pagans, right? Um, and as they're there, fun side fact, this is 400 plus years ago, they actually saw fireballs fly over um, the sky at night around their camp. This Ooh. is Franciscan monks, so I'm going to assume that they are not lying, but you never know. Okay. They anyway, were like, oh my God, it's angels. Yes. Look, at, look at the angel with the fire out of his butt. The Lord is speaking to us to convert these people. Oh, no, okay. The, an- the angel with the fire I out of his butt. Fly. What is with you and fire and butts? <laughs> that was awkward to hear about, actually. <laughs> but anyway, of course, they, they introduced show. Christianity and the slave trade. Um, awesome. <laughs> you know, put both those together because they go Bonus. so well. Hey, they're on a uh, roll, right? Yeah, there's something. Yeah, <laughs> they saw the fireballs in the sky. They knew their sign. Uh, so what happens is the Utes and the Paiute and the Navajo all, all start stealing each other for the slave trade. Because, <laughs> you know, why not? You're not taking from your own group. You're going to take from a different tribe. And so Navajo actually end up having Ute slaves, which, again, puts them in a bad juju kind of way. But through all their fighting, the Navajo placed the Skinwalker curse on the Utes. And so Skinwalker Ranch actually is in a location where that ridge they talk about so much in the TV show, because everyone knows the TV show, that's actually, um, I would say, like the part that separates the um, the Skinwalker Ranch that we see to the actual reservation. Because the reservation is humongous, but that ridge is kind of like that northern mark. And so they were actually told, don't ever go there because that's the path of the Skinwalker. So you don't want to be there. Uh, so you, And, of course, you don't want this curse on you. So, again, it's not a Ute thing. It's a Navajo thing. So to quote from um, Skinwalker Ranch, The Definitive History... A skinwalker in Navajo tribal folklore is, to put bluntly, the big bad that they're constantly feared. They were and are shape-shifting creatures that can manifest as all manner of animals, but we tend to see them as wolves, werewolves. <clears throat> but they can be anything. I like to imagine a platypus. Yeah, and I actually, I, I read something. Um, Interesting. Male platypi are scary. They have spurs well, and they true. can hurt you. That's true. Facts. I read like a little quote. I know this. I read a little quote from um, one of the people who grew up like on the Ute Reservation. And they said that 
their like parents used to tell them basically like Grimm's fairy tales, mm-hmm. but the monster in the fairy tale was always changed to the skin a skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so they literally were. This was like the devil. This was like the devil coming to get you. This is when I tell you to shut up because it's in my notes. <laughs> but anyway, I haven't gotten there yet. Cop on the wellhouse exorcism. You'll understand that I yell at people for getting ahead of my notes. But anyway, um, they are very deadly. They, um, While they turn into animals, they keep their human intelligence, um, which makes them even more deadly. Because if you know you're a big old wolf and you got snappy, snappy, teethy, teethy, so you're going to hurt somebody because you're not stupid. You are a human. You can make lots of decisions. So they're savage, they're evil, they're macabre, they really enjoy hurting things. And they say if you, um, the, honestly, they're a mar to the land, and if you see one, it's going to be to your demise, because it's going to like give you some kind of blackenedness on your soul. Um, they are vile creatures, like I mentioned, because of how they're created. I'm not going to go into detail about that. But if you want to see how you yourself become a skinwalker, you can do all that research on your own. Um, I can, I'm only going to go so deep into that nasty. But they are uh, known to be witches, were um, warlocks, or they were some type of eldritch entity that has now become what it is. So again, it's a human that can shapeshift, but they keep their intelligence. And they did some terrible things to get this power, to put that kindly. And so they are a curse. Now, of course, um, when you talk about this Navajo and in the Utes now because of the curse, it was called like the Navajo Boogeyman. Like that's what they actually call it. Um, And again, it's the story of children's dreams and like terrors. Like it's going to be in your closet. Don't go over there at night because it going to get you. Mm -hmm. Watch out, girl. You're in danger. You best run. (laughs) Take that line from us from earlier. Yeah. So not a friendly thing. But that is what the Navajos then put on the Utes as a curse. Yeah, and I heard, I heard um, it, it also had something to do with, I think, the Utes took the part of, like, the federal government. Yes. They, yeah. they assisted yeah. the military as, like, trackers mm-hmm. and translators. And, and all, like well, that. the Navajo had their own jobs in different wars. You know, you had the, the whispers and stuff. So, like, they all have helped the government, but they were not happy because you had that slave trade, and then you had people sign papers for protection. How dare you curse well, you on your land! And they really kind of shared and intermingled mm-hmm. on that land. And then when the Utes took the part of the federal government, the federal government was like, all right, well, you guys get to have your reservation like right here, but we're going to walk the Navajo down to Mm -hmm. New Mexico, Mm. you know, and that's even a bigger reason for for the the massive hatred. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, skinwalkers are, from everything that I've seen, everything, all the documentaries that I've watched... They're supposed to be the most terrifying thing that you They're could not benevolent. possibly encounter. And they even say, like, even if you see, like, a black dog, they're like, you know, um, I've heard of the uh, lore of you see a black dog, but it has, like, human-looking eyes. Yeah, usually they're blue eyes or you yellow know? eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like you see this. and that, I mean, it's hard sometimes to imagine what an animal with human eyes would look like. But if anybody that has a dog, I mean, dog's eyes are very distinctive from human eyes. You know, dog's eyes have, you know, the, the pupil and the iris well, take up think about most the, of the eye. You have white. Yeah, yeah. you're going to see the whites of the eyes, which you've been seeing in animal cats. You do not see a white of an eye. So, like, if you want to get an idea, look up, like, dog with human eyes. <laughs> it is not comfortable. <laughs> and, and you'll you'll get some idea of what these people are saying they see. We discussed the value of the uncanny. That would be <laughs> beyond oh, yeah. the tally of the uncanny for me. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> I think there was even, like, a horror movie that used an image 
of a dog with human eyes on it, and it is like super, super creepy, super yeah. disturbing. And there's usually a, a, the smell of death surrounding them too. Like you do not want to be close because it smells. So, and again, like. Um, I'm a firm believer in trusting your gut. And we discuss that on our podcast all the time. Like when you walk into a room and you feel like someone's watching you or you feel unnerved, it's because there is something there. Your body is saying, get the heck out of there. Yeah. And so like, I feel that even if there isn't that corporal stench, I think your brain notices it in some way, even if it is not like there, it's in like, you know, in your mind, it is like saying, get the heck out of there because this is deadly. It's not good for you. Go on, get it. That's something the Shermans <laughs> say the first time they encounter one is like the stench of it of mm -hmm. like rotting meat yeah mm. and, and when you, you find out how you have to become a skinwalker it's really not surprising oh, no yeah. i want to know <laughs> oh well and, and for it, it, it would include so murder a short version uh too long didn't read um yeah. murder enjoying the body of the dead thing and then eating the dead then why i say enjoy i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Winky, winky, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Eating that, yeah. I mean, it's it's a oh, lot. It, yeah, it is a lot. Wink, mm -hmm. wink, okay. nudge, nudge. Has your father? Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add that in the Navajo language, the term for skinwalker. Oh, go and read it. Yes, is ye nadlushi, mm -hmm. which I probably said very wrong, <laughs> which translates to by means of it, it goes on all fours, or with it, he goes on all fours, or that. <laughs> And also in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there actually is, there's a lot that we don't understand about the Skinwalker mm -hmm. lore because they don't talk about it. Yeah. They feel bringing it up invites it in. Well, it also brings power to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they well, just don't discuss it. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing that when you see uh, Navajo tell their stories of encounters with Skinwalkers, uh, the way they talk about it, the fear that they have about it, it it would go to tell you that the idea of someone putting a curse on another tribe by cursing them with being plagued by skinwalkers is literally the worst possible thing that a Navajo <laughs> yeah. could do to someone else. Like, they have such fear about these creatures that it well, what's the worst thing I could do to this guy? Kill him? No. I'm gonna <laughs> curse I'm gonna curse him with skinwalkers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so well that's that's uh that's a very good description. Um so I mean you're talking about this is a, a land that already uh because of the history, because of the lore, has this kind of otherworldly feel to it. Well, and I think that uh, something to link into what Jen said, too, something that PJ, we talk about all the time on our podcast, and you'd mentioned it, too, when you've been on our podcast, is the idea that, you know, curses have the power that you imbue upon them. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a collective consciousness believing that it's there or it's going to hurt you, you're going to give it power, regardless if you mean to or not, which is why they won't discuss it, because they don't want that collective consciousness to then feed into that curse and feed into the power uh, of that animal or animals, because there's multiple skinwalkers, obviously. Right. And so I just find that like they're hush hush about it, but we're talking about it. And the more that you see these TV shows, people like going there doing experiments, the more you're you're kind of adding fuel to that fire. So there are lots of like theories as to what's really going on there. But I would have to go like it's not really so much a collective delusion, but we are imbuing that power into that land mm -hmm. and into those people, regard you know, without regard to our safety. Because we're going to talk about how for years, and I'm putting air quotes, nothing happened there. Yeah. But if you ignore it, sometimes things go away because you're not giving it power, you're not feeding into it. Yeah. And when the Shermans got there, they fed into it. No. Oh. Yeah. And, and even before that, things did happen. They just didn't 
make it public. Yes. Yeah. When they, you know, there there are some uh, red flags when the when the Shermans arrived on the farm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But I think again, like things might have died down a little bit too, or didn't happen as much because again, look at yeah. your parents You're in this house. Things weren't happening here too much for your parents. Now yep. that being that the house was super full of humans, so if, mm-hmm. if something went missing, they're like, oh, those pesky kids. Yep. But you know, so you, if you don't give it power, then you know, tends to go away because it's like, oh, I'm not, you're mm-hmm. not noticing me. Fine. It's like a toddler in the corner. I'll stop crying now. Well, and, and not that I have a toddler. I know all about that. Hmm. If right. you were to ask, the, if you were to ask the Utes, they would say that, oh, we, we see stuff all the time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because in their culture, that is more of an accepted concept that, you know, yeah. you're going to see this stuff. If, mm-hmm. if you're living, if you're living life in this world, you're going to see these strange things. Yeah. And there comes a point where they actually stop talking about it because it's like, well, why am I going to tell you about the crazy thing I saw in the sky when you saw a crazy thing in the sky two weeks ago? <laughs> and you'll see it tomorrow. And you'll see it tomorrow. It's yeah. you know. So when all of a you sudden, you saw crazy things in the sky. When when you get when you get a a, a family coming in, you know, from relatively outside, mm-hmm. and they're not used to all this stuff, and they don't live in that culture, and the people who live there before them, maybe you know, out of like good you know, Christian stock, you know, I'm going to ignore all this stuff <laughs> and just live my hard, my hard, my rough tread life, <laughs> you know, and now you get people who are like, wait a second, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Why? This place is not natural. <laughs> it like reminds me of uh, Laura's house. We tell a story during Laura's uh, episode, but um, we got to go outside and find those stupid cats. Oh, Remember the night yeah. that you were at the, right there? Yeah. In the ca- oh. And so, like, we're in the woods, and PJ is there looking down the ravine for a freaking cat. And I'm like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Because we can hear footsteps coming. And he's like, just find the cats. Just find. like, we can't ignore it. Do you hear that? Like, do you hear this? No then, time to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> just... And the bell rings over here. Do you hear that? Just find the cats. Just find the cats. No. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Myers were like. Just ignore it. It's fine. It's fine. Everyone ignore it. The Myers, that was their name. Yeah. The original owners. Our job I knew, I knew is it to started research. with an M, and I just could not recall the last I name. am your Skinwalker Rain Man. I am Laura to Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So we, we have all this lead up. You know, obviously it's a land of land of magic and enchantment. Oh sure, yeah. Um and then <laughs> that includes, you know, killing your friends and then doing unspeakable things to their bodies and then eating them. Yeah. Well, next time we do a Reddit episode, we should throw in some skinwalker stories because there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Like, if you mm, show, yeah. like, a lot of them, people driving through this part of the country and they'll see, like, some dog slash human type I won't thing believe it. running <laughs> alongside the car with them. When yeah. someone like, says they saw a platypus running alongside, that then I'll believe them. To see. There's a it story uh, in this book uh, where there's a cop and he said, uh, twice, he has had this like man with this flat white mask uh, and like wh- pale white skin, probably like powdered white or mm-hmm. something. Uh, mm-hmm. Just jump onto the car and just stare at him like through the side window, the shotgun window, as he's like driving down the road. Oh and the first time it happened, he's like, that, after a while, I realized he didn't jump on the car. He's keeping pace with the car. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Was, yeah, that's really creepy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would click, click. Okay, the door's locked. We're good. <laughs> Don't I would, like yeah, that. to that to that point, honey. I would love to do an episode about. Um, I mean, you've had experiences with 
uh, border patrol agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in the things. south, you've had episodes with um, the Navajo rangers. You know mm-hmm. their their police force. Um, they got these seeing, stories, seeing mm-hmm. and experiencing these things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's definitely something that we want to cover at some point. Um, so, like a '70s sitcom, along come the Shermans. Can we do the Myers first? Oh, okay, Ish. go ahead. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> well, first, I want to say that it, I want to see a skinwalker who turns into a white rabbit and has sharp, pointy teeth. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought so, you were going to say with a pocket watch. No, <laughs> no, I am not following that one. Um, so we know that Myers <laughs> bought this land, and they bought it, and if we're talking, it's over 500 acres. They they got a good bit of land, and they start buying more of it, and then they start sharing off the land. So by sharing it, they like rent it out, and people can use it. So really, what's interesting about that is everyone in this area has stories about UFOs and whatnot, but no one's really sharing the stories because in the 1950s, it, you didn't talk about that. Yeah. It was hush-hush. Mm-hmm. So I like to point that out because... The Myers owned it first. They owned it for a long time. And then, you know, as they got older, and they, uh, their brother had to, like, sell the land for them because, you know, you die when you get old. Who would have thought? But he said nothing happened there. They never talked about any stories. However, if you go to town when uh, Junior Hicks is doing his big investigation, he's like, do you know anybody who has stories about paranormal, UFOs, whatever? I'm very interested. Some people in town said, oh, you got to go talk to Edith Myers. She's got some stories. Mm. So everyone in town knew that the Myers had stories, and Edith must have been talking about it, obviously, for him to say it to to Junior Hicks. But when he goes to talk to their brother, he's like, no, nothing ever happened here. It was fine the whole time. (laughs) Okay. Why did he talk like that? I assume that's how he talks. (laughs) So I just assume. Well, he's probably worried about selling the land. Yes, Mm, obviously. Listen, we already did that discussion, too. like, you don't have to tell if your house is haunted. We had considered selling a <laughs> house. Legally. Uh, legally, yeah. don't have to. Only a few states legally require that. <laughs> yes. And, and I think in Pennsylvania, you don't even have to tell them if there was a murder. I don't think so. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what murder? Oh, wait. No, kidding. Obviously. Um, so, in any case, uh, they sell it. Now, of course, nothing's happened there. But if we flash forward now then to the Shermans who buy it from the Myers, they walk into the homestead and there are... Yeah, so they find um, locks on, like, heavy locks on the outside and inside of the doors. And also all of the cabinets and cupboards. Oh. And they're like, why, what? And there was also a strange clause (laughs) that they are not to dig on the premises unless they they contact the Myers and ask for permission. Yes. And what year, like, what time period is this happening? 1994. When did the Myers buy it? Uh, so they bought it back in the 30s. Oh. They, they, yeah. So we're talking it was a long time. But so Kenneth said, like, in there it said that they had to contact Kenneth, so their mm-hmm. their brother, if you will, mm-hmm. because they had passed away at this point. You know, he was like the owner of it, if you And know. the code phrase was, what's the frequency, Kenneth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So not only, though, were there deadbolts on the Kyle looks very proud, by the way. He is, yes. <laughs> We'll give it to him. I'm waiting for your dad jokes to break it. Now that now that, that has happened. Yeah, now now the cork seal. the cork has been removed. Out come the dad jokes. Out comes well, you guys are both dead, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but they also found some big chunky chains out back of the house. I, I didn't think you're gonna finish that with chains. I didn't know what I expected. Oh sorry, I was I was quoting horror hotspot, Skinwalker Ranch by Grace Measles. 
but I did not measles. think big chunky. Hopefully it's pronounced measles. I hope it's measles. Hopefully it's pronounced that way, but no, I'm sure it's measles. But yeah, so she says that there are big chunky chains, chunky but it looked chain. as if they were holding something back. So it's kind of like, oh my. Well, what's happening here with these Myers? Hmm, my, my. Oh, well, that was, that was, when I walk I mean, in on. Uh, maybe that's why they don't talk about it. That, that's the secret to a long marriage. Mm-hmm. How did they find out? How did they find out my. <laughs> how they found, find out my magic mic name? <laughs> like chunky chains. Chunky chains. Did you say you have a just an OnlyFans or whatever? There you go. We have your name for it now. And what's interesting is you hear all these stories about the Shermans and their ranch. They only owned it for two years. It was a short stay, and in the two years they owned it, they lost 20% of their cattle. Oof. Numerous dogs. You know, you name it. Like, bad things happened. In the two years they were there, and they're like, okay, didn't sign up for this. Who wants to buy this place? Now, did they did they st- still work the ranch for a while after it was they bought? They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, his wife did not want to go back at all. And there's a story and she, in there. she very rarely did. Yeah, and whenever yeah, she did. it was mostly Tom. Yeah, whenever she did, she was, like, crying. Terry. Yeah. Tom Gorman is pseudonym. pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, I read 300 pages of Tom, so I'll be I'll be in Tom mode. He's like, who's Terry? I'm like, oh, right. You have the polite version. Yeah, no. Uh, but, it, yeah, because in his story, you actually hear story. Uh, you read, like, how, and sorry, not his stories. In his the book he's reading, you read these, like, stories of how she's shaking and in fear. She doesn't want to go back to the house. Mm-hmm. But they have to go back to get certain things or whatever, check on the animals. And she's like, don't, don't. <laughs> and she's like shaking so you can tell like that that's a visceral response like you that's not like it's yeah. not fake yeah. <laughs> you know something obviously yeah. happened so i know that you want us to come on and discuss more of the paranormal aspect so my question is what do you want to hear first because i got paranormal well let's, i got bigfoot should we, should we start with let's start with what was the first thing Thing that the they, very first thing. The very first thing that they observed. Let's start at the very what was, beginning. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not getting copyright striked. Thank it may you. be a very good place to start. Well, Wouldn't you agree? I do. Start at, to start at the beginning? Uh, but <laughs> No, at the end. I'm working way backwards. So, so, <laughs> it's called so a flashback. To, to set the scene... They've they've come in. They've entered in. They've had to unlock the the padlocks on the outside of the doors. And they walk in, and everything inside is padlocked. Yeah. And I I have to imagine that the first thing out of Terry Sherman's mouth was like, "Oh, this is normal." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have had a lot of kids, and they were locking the snacks. Like me and Terry, I'm like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Oh, raccoon, raccoons are pretty bad in here. I guess. <laughs> oh, it must have been a big and lived here. <laughs> Um, so apart from the creepy padlocks and the big chunky chains, um, on the very first day they spotted a huge a wolf. So that was the first day. The first day, yes. According to some stories, according to others, not the very first. It was still day. early in their stay yeah, there, so, at the very least. Uh, from all of my research, it seems to be within the first week. But this person says the very first day. Okay. Okay. So it was spotted in a distance. It creeps its way closer and closer. I'm like, oh, what a pretty doggy. I'm going to go pet it. Because that's what I think when I see a rabid wolf or whatever. Well, it wasn't rabid, though. It was incredibly um, calm. Yeah, right. And it no, just I'm strolled just up saying, to Right. Okay, never mind. No, if I saw a dire wolf, I'd pet it, too. Never yeah, mind. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'd pet it. But it's the size of a dire wolf, which, of course, we know have been extinct for. Yeah, they are, like, shoulder height. Yeah, uh, yeah they, said you, they said you had to, like, reach up. To like to touch the yeah. top of its head, to touch the yeah. top of its head, and it and and it was just like, <laughs> yeah, like just kind of came up like panting. Yeah, it wasn't Not like lovey dovey, but it was just like it was very calm. Yeah, yeah. And it let them pet. It, it let it pet them. And it had incredibly it smart 
like intelligent eyes, these cold mm-hmm. blue eyes. But as it got closer, they started to feel a little bit of unease. Like they actually felt that like you know, the intelligence again, from it. Yeah, you have that huge. again. That yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dad, uh, the wolf just checked out my butt. <laughs> That's a pretty big butt. With you, and what? Is it on fire? At least this one wasn't on fire. Is it bigger, chunky? You can't. Yeah, you can't hold back. You can't hold back big chunky chains. (laughs) Anywho, so So anyways, after uh, they pet it. It kind of just like looks at him, and then it walks over and just—it doesn't puts, walk; it bounds over, and it very puts quickly. its mouth around a calf. Like that's just like yeah, yeah just like yeah. Yeah. by its head, yeah. by its head, and starts to pull it through the railings of the fence. It's just like thanks for the pets. Hope dinner, I, I, <laughs> pets I, and food. I like to imagine it like it grabbed it by the head, and then is like trying to pull it through the the okay. fence. And it's just like conk. Yeah. <laughs> From what I gather, that's kind of what it did actually, (laughs) because they had a lot of time to stop this wolf. Yeah. Uh, First, uh, Terry tells his son, he's like, "Go get the pistol," and so he comes out with a three fifty seven magnum. As he's going to get the gun, they are all like kicking and pushing at this wolf, and it's it doesn't care at all. Like it's not even growling. It's just like it's just going for this. It's just going for this calf, and the calf is like mewling away. And uh, so the kid, the kid comes out with the gun, and he unloads several rounds into it, point blank. The dog does not react one bit. Nope, not for a second. So then he's like, "Go get the thirty six. And these things are like massive hunting rifles. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, at which point he unloads two rounds into the thing. The second round blows off a chunk of skin. Finally. Yeah, and that's when the smell of, like, rotting flesh mm-hmm. fills the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when, finally, the dog doesn't act like it's in pain, but it finally lets go of the calf and just slowly strolls away. It yeah. looks back at them one time and then just, like, walks away. And it trails, you know, calf blood behind it, and then it's just gone. Yeah, they follow it for quite a while uh, through a stream to the other side of a stream where there are these deep muddy footprints like the mud was thick enough that it sank into the mud as it walked mm-hmm. through and then the footprints just stop in the middle of the field mm-hmm. disappear yeah. that wasn't a dog what <laughs> it wasn't a dog <laughs> but it let me pet it therefore it's dog dog i bring it home <laughs> it does sound kind of <laughs> sweet up until the whole calf eating thing it's like it's like when you're playing with fetch with the dog and you're like let go let go and it's it, like no give it no Look what I can do. Son, did you fill the 30 6 with actual bullets? <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Or were those the I'm fake bullets? <laughs> oh, boy. So that's their, like, the, again, like that's your opening yep. to this place. says, okay, can't dig without express, you know, like, letting people know an, an approval. Bolts everywhere. And we got a dog dire wolf problem. And then things just get worse. And, yes. and wasn't the the chunk of like the, I, I've heard it described as like a slab, like a slab of shoulder. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was a pretty large Jeez. chunk from what I read. And it stanky, stanky, stank. Ugh. Yum. Again, what it takes to become a skinwalker. Not surprising mm-hmm. you, stanky, stank. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there are lots of stories about you know the the UFOs they see, which PJ has all those stories. So he's going to tell you yep. all about the orbs. I like the paranormal, so Mama's gonna do that because that's that's my wheelhouse well, have, in the wellhouse. I focus on the paranormal too. 
But I have this one. We are the Wellhouse Exorcist. But I want this one. What is that one? What I don't know. It? All of it. Oh all gosh. at once. So, because I was going to do... Let's bounce off each other. <clears throat> okay, so... Uh, in between the two wolf incidents, because the wolf returns, um, Ellen is... El- oh, that's her pseudonym. So it's so it's like Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is out... And she gets harassed by um, an unseen flying object. And she feels something buzz her head, like a bat would. And she she ducks, and it's like daylight, though. And she looks around, there's nothing. And then, like, it happens again, but it feels like it's closer and it's bigger. Like, this huge bird, like, big enough that it, like, makes her hair go foof and everything. And so she, like, is... yeah. And this all happens, like, repeatedly in, like, one very quick stay uh where she's just being dive bombed by this unseen thing it's like the girl in the video where she's getting attacked by the magpie yeah. and she's, <laughs> she's screaming but the eyes don't work she had painted <laughs> eyes on the back of her helmet that's bluey and she's like the eyes don't work the eyes don't work it worked in bluey's curry quest <laughs> you may have a three-year-old um, I just feel bad. Her name's Gwen in real life. So Gwen. she's Alan Gorman as a pseudonym. She, but she goes Gwen. through a whole bunch of... Yeah, so my what I like the most about reading her story, well, their stories in general, is just, like, the amount of random crap that happens to them, like, in their own house. Yeah. And so you quickly learn why there were bolts put everywhere. And so I wanted to kind of focus on just, like, the house itself and the yeah. poltergeist Should activity I do the inside. second wolf? So you do the second wolf. And, and then you can do the house. Yes, I'll do all Gwen. All right. All the time. So, Gwen. Repeatedly. Coming home from work. Can we call her Gwellen? Gwellen. Gwenellen. Gwellen? Gwenelen. Gwenelen. <laughs> I mean, if you flip it and have Ellen first, it's still Ellen. Because you, you take the N from Gwen. <laughs> what is you know. happening right now? It would be Elwyn. Elwyn. would just call her Willow. <laughs> My brain hurts. Oh, I'm just going to call her Gwen. I'm oh, sorry. Call <laughs> ya. Call Continue. ya. <laughs> so, uh, here's a quote from Hunt for the Skinwalker. Uh, a few weeks later, after the wolf incident, Ellen was driving in her gray Chevette back to the homestead. She was coming home from her new job at a local mortgage company. She had opened the gate to the property and closed it behind her, and as she sat in the car, she noticed movement to her left in her peripheral vision. She gasped. The wolf was huge, and it had silently approached within 30 feet of her. Now it stood outside her window. As she stared into the friendly light blue eyes of the huge animal, she felt a knot of fear tighten. The animal's head stood over the roof of her car. This was no ordinary wolf. It resembled the bulletproof animal that they had encountered only a few weeks previously. Easily visible in the gathering twilight was another animal, all black. It stood farther away from the car and appeared more reserved. It was large, but not quite as big as the wolf. It looked like a very weird dog, but unlike anything she had ever seen. So, and then she goes on to, like, the local police department. She's like, can we do something about these wolves? And they're like, there haven't been wolves in these areas for dozens, like, you know, I forget how it was, like, years and years, generations, because they're all killed Mm -hmm, off. And this was a year before wolves were replanted back into the basin. Try to help with the habitat, yeah. Yeah, to bring back the population. Well, creepy. This woman. So just like Jason Bateman's turn as the Teen Wolf, this encounter was unwelcomed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think it wanted to come home and be called Bonky Bonky Boom Boom. I don't know. Some kind of random stupid dog name. And I would give it pets. Can I have a dire wolf? No. Darn it. Jason Bateman, if you're listening, I love you too. <laughs> Ignore my husband. <laughs> He's just The jealous. finale of Ozark sucked. <laughs> no, I didn't see the end yet. I've watched any of it. Sorry, Jason I Bateman. I watched Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Anywho. So, so, okay, they've seen these crazy wolves. They've had some some uh, invisible magpies buzz their heads. <laughs> Can I just say that real when you have bats go through your hair, that is the most disturbing, disgusting feeling you ever had happen to you? Not through my hair, but like close. Close, yeah. I have had it happen one time, and when, when I had long, long blonde hair, uh, awful. Yeah, when you can smell the rabies come off. Them. Yes, <laughs> and the guano. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so um, but it's funny to me because I feel bad for. I understand Gwen after living in this house. She felt like she was going crazy, and like she didn't yeah. know who to talk to because you know everything's fine. Everyone seems like they're okay. So Are these she things the start. The wife. Or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she. Ellen's her pseudonym. I'll okay. I, I yeah. will probably be calling her Ellen. Yeah. Okay. So she is not telling That's anybody, not including her husband, Terry, uh, slash Tom. She's not telling anybody what's happening. But in the house, crazy stuff is happening. Like, it starts innocuous because the poltergeist activity at first is very trickstery. And again, we've lived through this. So it's like, it's annoying, but you're like, just give it back please. Mm-hmm. So utensils go missing. You know, you're looking for your fork and you find it in the living room. Yeah, she's straight up like pull out a fork, like literally had just microwaved her meal, grabs a fork and then like goes to get a drink. The fork is gone. Now it's in the microwave. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> Or people, like, and like later when they started kind of sharing their stories, the kids found things in their bedrooms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So like these things are just kind of moving on their own. And again, we've lived through that. It's just annoying. Yeah. But when they ask for it back, it doesn't come back. Whereas for us, it tended to do that. <laughs> but it was obviously intelligent, but it was kind of being trickstery. So it starts off with utensils, you know, and uh, my favorite story is their salt and pepper shakers. So they have these salt and pepper shakers, you know, and they would go to shake out the salt and maybe pepper. Like, what the heck? Oh, Next day, it's salt again. So it got to the point where oh they would gosh. just shake in their hands first and go, oh, we're pepper today. Okay, we don't want that one. I want this one. Okay, salt. Here we go. Oh, wow. So just like, that's just annoying. Get that's a clear crazy. shaker at this point. Like, listen, yeah. none of that cutesy <laughs> design ones. Just get the... Make your life easier. Yeah, well, get the glass well, ones. Well, there, Gwenny, you're looking kind of down. What's the matter? It's a pepper day. <laughs> I just wanted to put some salt on my bacon, and now it's all ruined. It's all peppery. Um, so anyway, uh, there is a story, too, where she found utensils in the oven. Not just the microwave, yeah. in the oven. Like, you know, you want to like, go bake like a nice like cake, and like, oh, look, there's a spoon. Like, why? Like, it's just yeah. obnoxious. So again, it's just chickstery at first. But then the cabinet doors would just open on their own. Which is very much like Laura's house, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they go, oh, that's why there's deadbolts. Click, click. Didn't really work because they would still come in and find them, like, you know, opened and whatever. Um, but my, an interesting story for poor Gwen, again, she doesn't tell anybody for a while because she thinks she's going crazy, is she has gone grocery shopping. She this, brings this the groceries. Story. And can I just, like, we as parents, you paint the picture. You got to go shopping for the groceries, which is a nightmare, especially with children. You come home, you got to bring it. Sorry, first, you got to put it on the conveyor belt. You got to bag it if you're able to bag yourself, you're for all these. Mm-hmm. Then you got to put it in your own freaking car. You got to get home. You got to pull it out of your car, take it into your kitchen. You're exhausted. It is time to order a pizza. You're not making dinner with all those food you just bought. Mm-hmm. She puts all the groceries away. She leaves the room for like a minute, comes back, and it's all back on the table. Ugh. 
I'd be like, I'm out. Like, I'm done. Because, like, that is just, like, the worst. But I just imagine this poor woman, like, you know, she she puts the groceries away and then, boom, groceries are back where she had. Oh, my God. I would be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, no. And the thing is, you could blame the kids for a joke, but she was home alone at the time. And that's why she's like, okay, I'm going crazy. She, right. In her mind, it's not a poltergeist because she's losing a fork and it's in the microwave. She lost a spoon, now it's in the oven. Yeah. The I cabinets are out. I just, putting the groceries I imagine, away. yeah, I imagine putting everything away. And, and you know, you, this is when you start really learning more about mental illness and it becomes mm-hmm. more okay to get diagnosed with bipolar disorder yeah. and whatnot. So she's like, oh my gosh, I obviously have some type of, type of deficit, but I don't want my husband to worry because mm-hmm. we're trying to start a cattle farm and whatnot. Um, but then... Terry has his own issue. I love this story. So, <laughs> you can I tell it? Yeah, so, go ahead. Terry is out, uh, like, put, putting posts in the ground. Fixing fences. He has a 70-pound post hole digger. And then he goes out one day to continue his job, and it's missing. No, he went to his car. Oh, he went to his back, car. He went to his back. car. Yeah, he was still out there. And he comes back, so it's, like, minutes. Yeah. And he comes back, and... Post hole digger is just missing. Gone. Gone. And so I have her here, actually. Um, so he was irate. Both kids looked up from their homework. They were puzzled. <laughs> he walks in the house, where's my hole? Yeah, he demanded to know <laughs> who has hidden the post digger. Can uh, you give him a crazy, like, you know, like, twangy accent? Get off my proper tie. Like, I, I can't imagine I, that's I, his I told, accent. I told you ding darn kids not to mess with my post hole digger. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, that's how he <laughs> sounds. Couple of, couple of so Ellen told him jokers. that... Uh, <laughs> Darn kids. So Gwen told him, see, I'm getting better at this, that all three of them had been in the house for the past couple of hours. And Tom said, uh, Terry said that he had left the 70 pound implement on the ground and gone to his truck to get a wrench, returned a couple of minutes later, and it was gone. He was angry because he wanted to finish mending a broken fence, and it was almost dark. The family went outside to help him look, and 30 minutes later, they gave up. Tom was silent and frustrated the whole evening. (laughs) Two evenings later, he rushed in and demanded to know who had taken his pliers. His pliers are missing too. (laughs) He had then left them on a fence post, turning around, and when uh, when he turned back, they were gone. He was seething. Again, the family looked for the pliers, but to no avail. It was then that Ellen decided to fess up. The same thing had been happening to her, she explained. Yeah. And so what happens? It is like it, this post hole digger is gone for a week. So imagine like you are a farmer. You, all you do is fix fences. And if you don't have a fence, your cattle are going to get free. Oh, I would like to <clears throat> add, read the last sentence of this paragraph. This was not the time for a family conference. There was too much to do. <laughs> we got to put fences up. No time. I don't care about your problems, Gwen. We got to get the fence hole digger. I ain't got time to talk to you ding darn kids about my post hole digger. I'll dig the hole myself. I'm going to get a shovel. I'm going I'm to dig the I'll be back in an hour. But I'm he finds so We flash forward a couple weeks later, and he looks up. It's 20 feet up a tree. And I'm sorry, these things are freaking heavy. feet up a tree. It is not a joke at the like. No, no kid is I'm like, ha ha, dad, I got you. Because that could fall down and give you a boinky boink on the head he had. All right. Pounds. Yeah, it's How not would safe. They even hey. get it up there. Hey, hey, daddy, daddy, how'd you get that post hole digger up that tree? <laughs> <laughs> we got you good. Um, <laughs> you keep bringing it up, I'll show you. <laughs> and so as they have darn, a- <laughs> ding darn joker. <laughs> As they have their family powwow and they realize, okay, it's happening to Gwen, it's happened now to Terry, they notice that, you know, 
hoses have gone missing and they found them in different places like all curled up perfectly and they weren't like that and they're in a different location so hoses go moving shovels disappear and so things are just moving around this ranch and there is no explanation as to why it's happening so the most i, I would say the most no kidding because as a mother i think the most annoying thing probably was the groceries but for the kids the most annoying story for them was uh terry says to his son i want you and your friends to move these poles i want them to go from like point x to point y so move them right and so they do and i'm sure they're getting paid for farm work whatever so they go out there they move the stinking poles they go back inside get a drink whatever Terry gets home and they're back in point Y. So he comes to say, he's like, why didn't you move them darn poles? Again, I assume that's how he talks. <laughs> and they're like, but we did. And like, so he's there with his friends. They got, no, they're back, but they're not in the same, like, um, like alignment. alignment. You can they see the original off. depressions of uh-huh. where they were oh, wow. at first. So it's obvious that something moved them back ish. Right. And so they're like, okay, it's not even funny. Because it's not, it's not okay. Like, there's so much work to do on a farm. Mm-hmm. Like, in yep. my mind, mm-hmm. yeah, having grown up on a farm, that, like, it. it's just not okay. So anyway, the, that's the poltergeist activity in a nutshell. Um, but I, there are still stories happening on the farm, even after the Shermans left. Because once they were able to leave, once they got Bigelow interested, he bought the place, they're out. <laughs> like, bye. Um, but now that it is owned by not Bigelow, but by... Uh, Brandon Fugel. Adamantium Holdings. <clears throat> yeah, I was a Pounce last time. So, um, the people who are like, even on the TV show, so some names I'm going to mention, like, like, oh, I know that person. Uh, they have their own poltergeist, like, ghostly stories. And PJ has more of his book, but I want to flash forward because if we go backwards then, some of his stuff makes sense. Back. To the future. Back to the future. Um, so you might know Eric Bard hey, uh, on the show. Where we're going, we don't need no post <laughs> hole diggers. No post <laughs> hole diggers. Um, <laughs> so um, this is actually coming from The Beehive by Meg Walter. It's her our, her website, but it's Skinwalker Ranch, my date with the paranormal. But it's interesting. My date with the Why not? Yes. Uh, but Eric Bard, if you haven't watched the show, he's one of the principal investigators. So I just want to read this. It's just an interesting story. So it says, One night the cameras on the ranch went down. So Skinwalker Ranch principal investigator Eric Bard sent Winterton, that's Tommy or Thomas in the show, to the ranch to investigate. Winterton and his wife pulled up to the command center, and just as they arrived, the cameras turned back online. He and his wife walked inside and heard footsteps run across the floor and into the back room. But when Winter 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 Tin, his last name, searched, he found no one. A minute later, he heard what sounded like a cord being slammed against a wall in a different room. Tommy then searched the room but found nothing. Then he and his wife both heard a voice say, You need to leave now. And as he reached to grab the hard drive he had been uploading files onto, the voice again he heard say, Stronger this time, You need to leave now. So they booked it to their car and drove away. His phone, which ha- had frozen when they first heard the voice, did not unfreeze until they were far beyond the ranch on Highway 40. So that's one. The next page, then, I think this is cool. I just want to say right now, the wind is adding <laughs> such atmosphere. I know. All of a sudden, it's like <laughs> the lights are flickering. <laughs> what is You're going on? You're in the well house now. <laughs> Do you hear it? That's the wind outside. Oh yeah, I didn't. Really, I never. I thought that was the furnace. I no, no, the furnace is the right wind. there. <laughs> yeah, that noise is the wind. Yeah, yeah uh, can the, the Yeti pick that up? I'm picking it up as yeah. a, just a low rumble. Oh man, like guys, it's. <laughs> it's a 
<laughs> the house is shaking. This is great. We talk about the skinwalkers. Do we check on the kids? The dog's not barking. We're fine. You you open the curtains. You open the curtains, and it's just a dog with human eyes looking at you. Invited in. We got. I got my dire wolf. Come here, boinky boink. Hey there, dog. Dog. You take my postal digger. Pliers in its teeth. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it, it coughs them up. It just goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. Now you can take it back. <laughs> yeah, you ding dang darn dog. You can keep my pliers. Hey, in anyone, there. anyone want dead dog pliers? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, they stink. Oh, gosh. They stink now. <laughs> Why that turn into sling blade? <laughs> I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if I do get a dire wolf, I don't care if it's a skinwalker, if I get a dire wolf, I want everyone to call me Jon Snow, <laughs> so I know nothing. Anyway, so this one's really cool, though. So back to Eric Bard. One day, Bard received a notification on his phone. There was movement in the control room at the ranch. He checked the camera feed connected to the control room, but the camera showed no one in the room. But the movement notifications persisted. They persisted for five hours. Wow. Bard grew frustrated and anxious until he finally said out loud, if you have something to show me, show me. He's going to tell me, tell me. Then the pixels on his screen appeared to melt. So he snapped a screenshot and in the bottom right corner appeared this message. What do you think it says? Oh, I've seen this. I know what it says. <clears throat> so our listeners can't, but. Fireball. No. no. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a different Reddit page. I living. I living. I living. Something you don't see on that their TV show. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah. So I mean, and I can post it. You guys can be sure and take it with you if you want to. But yeah, I living. Okay, great. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so we know the whole idea of the digging things we've seen on TV, like, of course, that Tommy has <clears throat> had issues twice, but there are some really cool stories from Tommy that don't make it into the show. So he says one time, you know, he was driving and he was taking his truck up the road and as he starts to get closer to like a turn, he feels again, that uneasy feeling in the pit of his stomach. And as he feels that he starts to feel really scared and he is not sure why, cause he's just driving. This is a truck. common theme in Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. that, that feeling. And as that feeling starts to take over, he literally hears a voice out of nowhere say, stop, turn around. So he does. <laughs> Excellent choice. Yeah. yeah. Good call. <laughs> so, and, then, and then it says, sashay to the left. <laughs> sashay to the right. Mm, mm, <laughs> now bam. stop. Mm. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so there, you know, there is the story then about the homestead, because that's where the Shermans live. That's where the Bolts were. And that's where PJ actually has an interesting story, too, from um, things that crawled out. So mm-hmm. we're going to flash back to you in a second. But Tommy actually has said that he has seen shadow people in the homestead. Not like corner of your eye. Like, it was like me in this basement where that figure walks. And I'm, like, stuck watching this shadow thing walk around. Like, this creature that obviously had humanoid but also demonic, you know, like, shapes to its body. He said he saw he, uh, shadows in human form. And they're running along the wall in plain sight. And so me having lived through it, I actually believe him. Because he's not, a, you've seen him on TV, he's a pretty straight straight shooter. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that didn't really make it into the TV show. But that's the same place where you had, um, uh, what's what's the PhD? Uh, Travis Taylor. Travis. The Alabama accent. I'm sorry. Our Albert Einstein <clears throat> 
of this of, of our generation cannot have that accent. I love him. I, I, I keep thinking I, it's George W. Bush I whenever know. I hear. I know. <laughs> That's all I can see, hear. See what we're going. <laughs> I love him. What we're going to do here is we're going to shoot I some rockets. Can and they're going to go really high. As a gifted teacher, <laughs> I appreciate his intelligence because if you've done yes. the research, he's amazing. He is, he's so yeah, smart. Brilliant. He was he was in college classes when he was fifteen. He has multiple PhDs. Like he is. We, Everything that gifted like person. We have the same conversation in the same week that this episode comes out. Yeah. Our Wellhouse episode. I complain about him. Where, where, because I'm, I'm just like, he's so smart, but then he goes, geez, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> what the crap is that? I'm an optical engineer. Engineerficate. Strategery. <laughs> just don't talk. Oh, okay, if we're going to do that, my favorite Bushism is. I believe people and fish can coexist peacefully. I'm the desire. No, mine is, you fool me once. <laughs> you can't Shame say on it. You. I can't go start fool laughing. Me, fool, fool, me, fool me twice. Uh, so you fool me once, you can't fool me, fool me again. <laughs> I think these shadow people want something. Want something. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like you're waiting. Uh, but so, okay, the homestead, you know, we have Tommy seeing those figures. Um, that is also where Travis, when he lifts up the, the well, he gets that ionizing radiation. Uh, but that's also the story that you kind of get in the TV show, because I actually just watched the episode um, where Fugel had escorted a bunch of his friends around the property, and there was a high-profile guy that had a... Um, an interesting situation happened at the homestead. But the full story is not what you see in the TV show. So it says, Once Fugel escorted a high-profile guest and his bodyguard around the ranch. While the group explored the dilapidated home, the bodyguard, a six-foot-seven Viking ship of a man named George, went missing. Fugel walked around to the field next to the homestead and found George standing upright in a catatonic state with his eyes closed on the back of the ATV. That's not mentioned in the TV show. He's actually on the ATV with his eyes closed. Yeah. As Fugel approached the vehicle, his ears felt like they were boxed and all ambient noise was blocked. So he has that weird sensation, too. Mm -hmm. He eventually reached George and called him a few times until George's eyes fluttered open. He looked stunned. And that's the same thing where he talks and Fugel tells a story like how he's like, oh, I felt like I was paralyzed and then I fell asleep. And so he's been like down like he's been like in that state for 10 minutes which is crazy yeah he didn't know how long he had been there he had standing been, on atv yeah the first thing yeah. he questioned was how long have i been out yeah yep um so they have lost uh, dogs but they've come back so like eight dogs have disappeared but before pj tells his um uh, creatures story because it connects so well to that shadow figure brian arnold the the second dragon 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 <laughs> Um, he's always such a straight shooter, but he actually has a story too. And again, he's not a, a believer in this. Like he, he's a Christian, sure, but like he, he doesn't... comes to believe. He, yes. He, yeah. After after he sees like his first UAP, yeah, he's like he starts to question what the heck yeah. is going on. But he said, one night I'm in one of the bedrooms in the ranch house. So it's not the homestead; it's the ranch house. I'm lying down trying to sleep, and then all of a sudden, bam! Something slams into my bed. It's like when your kids jump into bed turned on the lights there's nothing in the house and he looked everywhere mm. got his gun of course because he always has a gun mm -hmm. but so they've all had these poltergeist-esque stories mm -hmm. leaving i living comments or stop 
you know, whatever. They've heard voices, which is my last comment before PJ takes over. You know, the Shermans have gone through some stuff in two years, and PJ's got, he's taken the rest of this this background after me, because I'm done after this. But he said, by far, the scariest thing that Terry Sherman says he ever dealt with, he was out walking the dogs one night, and he heard voices speaking in a language he didn't understand. And to quote him, he said, it seemed to come out of the wind and darkness invoking something. And so it wasn't the dogs running into the woods. It wasn't orbs. It wasn't parallel universes. It was hearing voices all around him talking and knowing they were talking about him Hmm. or whatever, but he couldn't understand it, but he knew they were there. And so for that, then to have Tommy, you know, hear a voice say, stop, turn around, or you don't belong here. Very signs. Yeah, very much. And it matches a story that you guys had on your podcast that I just heard. The person who like opened that was it? He opened the door and then he heard voices or he heard rustling in the wind. Right, the tree started moving. There's a story you guys just had in your podcast this week, and it made me think about this a little bit. Oh, he was yeah, he was out. He um, was taking his dogs out, and the one dog seemed to be reacting to something in, in, out of fear mm-hmm. and tucking itself between his legs, growling, you know, like it had never growled ever before, mm-hmm. and. He noticed his work shed door was open, and he went over and he said the second he closed the door, he heard what sounded like 50 men running through the woods. Yeah, he heard like a weird, yeah. And then when he got back to the house and got inside, he heard this muttering mm-hmm. all around the house, uh, and it was like constant. All constant, night, right? He didn't, yeah. he didn't sleep a wink. Yeah, yeah constant muttering. And uh, then that, and I, I had said in uh, last the last podcast that it reminded me of the experience of these uh, hunters up in the Sierras. They they were uh, they had a camp up there on uh, federal land, and they actually had recordings that they had made of they'd seen things. Some of the guys had seen things, and they they were hearing things. They would hear things at night, but then one night it was a little more intense. And one of the guys heard like the like a like the howling like what they classically say Bigfoot, you know the uh-huh. sounds the verbalizations they make, mm-hmm. and so one of the camp members decided to howl back at it, and all of a sudden it started off this chain reaction of their howling back and forth, but then they hear something else mutter like this odd language, it was like language. Mm. And it's it. They said it sounded as if this was an older whatever reprimanding the other one for <laughs> communicating. <laughs> you stick to your own. Yeah, and then it, it's starting a howl. Utopia. <laughs> and then once, Sasquatch. They said once that one started talking, then they heard others talking until there was a, a bit of a cacophony of these verbalizations and mutterings back and forth. And so they actually took, they had a lean-to shelter made out of, like, large uh, logs and things that they had between some trees. And they said you had to, like, really haul the log out. There was, like, their door, their makeshift door. (laughs) And they said they all huddled inside that lean-to and pulled the log over the door and just sat there the rest of the night inside this shelter afraid that one that one of them was going to come into the mm-hmm. camp 
Um, so, well, that's yeah. like even if you don't understand what they're saying, there is an inflection, there's a dialect to every language, and so you know when it's gibberish versus an actual language, yeah. and it freaks because where you can hear it coming from somewhere, but where, yeah. and so it's just interesting that of all the things that they experienced, to Terry, that was the most horrifying moment for him on the entire ranch. I guess he doesn't want them pliers back. He doesn't want his post digger. <laughs> I, I tell you, I was out there at the dang, ding, dang, <laughs> talking to the cows, and uh, I heard this uh, muttering. What it sounded like, Paul? It sounded like, I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Been watching TV again. <laughs> All right, so PJ's got some stories. I think you should first tell the one that matches the uh, shadow. Well, that's fake. a Nid story, though. I don't care. So I don't know. It's that's up to you guys if you want to hear a Nid story during the Sherman stuff. Well, yeah, if it's if it's more of the because uh, we're going to cover on the second episode, <laughs> we'll get more into the uh, UFOs, the more sciency things that have gone on, <laughs> these experiments, the possibility of interdimensional portals and things like that. Okay. Um, so, uh, two of the uh, NIDS scientists owned by Bigelow, uh, they are out doing a late night surveillance thing. It's like 2.30 in the morning at this point. And uh, uh, their names are Jim and Mike. And uh, so Jim was like kind of meditating, trying to like hope something would happen. Because there are stories of like people meditating and then things coming like to get them, mm. and uh, I'll I'll go back to that one a bit because that story is messed up. So, uh, anyways, uh, so Jim, uh, this is straight out of the book here. So just as Jim was thinking his meditation hadn't produced a damn thing, his eye caught a very faint light on the track 150 feet below him. He watched it mildly puzzled, thinking that might be a small glass of a uh, small piece of glass on the track that was reflecting ambient light. It was a faint yellowish color, but as he watched, it appeared to be growing brighter. Twenty seconds later, he, mudged, he nudged Mike. It was definitely getting brighter, and as both of them watched, seemed to slowly be getting bigger. Hand me the camera, Jim muttered. At the same time, Mike quietly and efficiently unpacked the night vision binoculars he had just put away. Jim set up a tripod and positioned his camera... Uh, loaded with infrared film in line with the light that had now grown to six inches in diameter. It was still just a dull yellow, but had definitely grown brighter. Carefully, Jim set the shutter to 30 seconds, reasoning that a long exposure might capture this mystery light on the freshly loaded roll of infrared film. He was ready to pop all 36 shots if necessary. <laughs> <clears throat> As Mike brought the binoculars to his eyes, Jim heard sharp sucking in of breath. Jim could see the light was now more than a foot wide and still growing larger. This very obviously, this very obviously was not a reflection. Uh, uh, but uh, then Mike says, "It's a tunnel. It's not just a light." Jim ignored his partner's growing agitation as he increased the length of the time exposures to forty, then fifty seconds. Mike was now standing up. Jesus Christ! Mike said hoarsely, "Something's in the tunnel." <laughs> Jim looked carefully at the light below. It now expanded more than two feet. Something that big should definitely register on his film. Oh my god, Mike said suddenly, thoroughly frightened. There's a black creature climbing out. I see its head. Jim felt alarm. His companion was plainly bordering on panic. 
It has no face, whispered Mike. Oh my god, it just climbed out. Jim rubbed his eyes and shook his head. All he could see was the dirty yellow light, now about four feet in diameter. Uh, something to describe that a little bit, and then Mike says, it's, it's on the ground, he said. Oh my god, it walked away. And as Mike danced on the ledge a few feet away, plainly in, in a panicky state, Jim could see the light decreasing in size. Within 30 seconds, the dull yellow circle had shrunk to about half its full diameter. Jim pulled Mike over close to him and asked, What happened? A big black creature just crawled through the tunnel. It got onto the ground and walked away. That's what happened, and it's still lurking around someplace. I only saw the yellow light, Jim said. And then uh, then Jim says, Jesus Christ. Uh, I, of course I'm sure. Night vision turned, uh, turned the light into a 3D tunnel. Yeah, so there's that one. There's another one where uh, he's obviously, like, taken over and he, like, starts speaking words that are not his by Ooh. this creature that he's looking at. So there's... Boogie, boogie, boogie. But the other yeah. guy couldn't see it. I have that That's right. Weird. Yeah. It's like he could only see it on the um, night vision. On the night vision. Huh. Yeah, it was only in the night vision binoculars. Nothing really That's came terrifying. out. In the camera, he got like one little faint light in one of the pictures, hmm. but that was about it. Were they, were they night vision or were they thermal? I, I... Uh, the camera was thermal, as infrared. Okay. And then okay. the binoculars were night vision. Yeah, and that, I mean, that leads uh, yeah. into, that, that's that's going to be part of what we talk about in the next episode, mm-hmm. especially, like, what are the possible explanations right. for stuff like that? But, mm-hmm. I mean, there there is a, no matter how you break it down, there's something paranormal going on. Mm-hmm. It's just, can you explain it or right. can't you? Yeah. Is, is there a reason why this is happening? Yeah. Is are these actual things that they're seeing, or is it more of like uh, something tricking their eyes? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Because Tom Sherman has also had had these encounters with these orange, for lack of a better word, portals, and usually they just like look like these bright circles in the sky. But every so often, he could plainly see another sky inside of them. Uh, you know, like where it would be nighttime, he could see a daytime, you know, landscape yeah. inside this portal. Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, what's the other experience? So, um, lots of going back to the Shermans. Um, the first disappearance they had was uh, middle of a snowstorm. Uh, they are they lost a cow. So they're out searching for this cow, and usually what happens during a big storm is they hide under trees where there's shelter. But this one had left the comfort of a tree and was just out. And so it's a snowstorm, easy to track. He just starts following his tracks. No, yeah. no big deal there. We can't see the thing anywhere. So uh, he's just following the tracks, and he notices that the spacing in between tracks is growing. So the cow has bolt like started to run. Yeah, And... Then it gets to, like, a full-scale trot, and then at which point the tracks just disappear into thin air. Hmm. Well, I mean, that mirrors uh, the the wolf. That Mm -hmm. mirrors uh, other things that have happened. And And the portal theories, too, because that was his first thought, was, like, it's like it stepped through a door and just disappeared. He's like, it could have been a helicopter, maybe, except no helicopter could lift a cow that fast from a dead run like that. Yeah, and even if you go back to our episode on missing people, 
people who they're following footprints and then the footprints just vanish. They just stop. Mm-hmm. And there should easily have been a continuation of those prints. Yeah. And they're just gone. Yeah. Uh, they got snapped up. But then the, the craziest stories are the orbs. At least in my opinion, the craziest stories are the orbs. Um, the one that they really... Like, they saw a lot of UFO craft as well. Things like that of various shapes and sizes. Um but more commonly, they saw these orbs. Some of them were like a yellow color. Um, but the uh, the most prevalent one that they talk about is this blue one. And uh, it's the size of th- like three times the size of a baseball. Like a little bit bigger than a softball, not quite basketball sized. And uh, this thing likes to get up close and personal with people. And it will zip like it, it it'll graze the cattle and things like that and they're watching it. it's twilight time the first time they see it and it, as it's like bugging the cattle and then it notices they're watching them they're the it it and it zips over to them and it stops about 15 feet away from them and just kind of stares at them and they're staring at it and they get you know they see that it's made of this clear almost like a glass consistency this shell um, perfectly spherical. And inside is this blue pulsating plasma. And it's emanating this blue light. And as they're looking at it, they start to get filled with this sense of dread. And uh, Gwen is shaking in fear and kind of like whimpering. And, uh, and Terry, who's the one telling the story, says he starts to feel like he's about to have a seizure. And he's feeling like the same way that she is uh, demonstrating. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, she turns on a flashlight and aims it at the thing, and that was enough to spook it off, and it runs off into the, or flies off into the trees, and it's gone. And, uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then they, they start to feel, like, ill after that. And started to list some of their symptoms that they had, and turns out it was radiation sickness that mm. from this orb. And it uh, then a while later, uh, the, the, it never really gets into specifics of when, but um, the orb does return, and the dogs are like bracing themselves against uh, Terry's legs, and they're growling, and they like mm-hmm. want this thing bad. Yeah, and. Uh, and he's like, he's like, you know what? Go for it, go get it. And so he lets him go, and it it like gets down because like these things love to put on a show. That's something else is they they don't like to be recorded, but they love to be seen. And so they're out, they're you know they're always around on this ranch, and uh, so this one would get down low, and then the dogs would jump at it and it would zip up real fast, so they couldn't get it. And it kept doing that, but then he realized it was luring them out to the woods every time they jumped at it. And then uh, eventually it just darted into the woods. Once it got close enough to the woods, uh, to the tree line, it just zipped in and started, and it stopped playing. It just ran. And the dogs chased after it. And then all of a sudden he heard them yelp in pain and they never came back. Well, not not just never came back. Yeah, he went out the next morning. He went to look for them. And there was like a burned patch 
three burn patches. Yeah, and, yeah. and there were and there were greasy spots. Ew. Yeah, and a looked, horrible smell in the yeah, air. Yeah, that looked like Ew. something had been that something that contained fats yeah. had been boiled down. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, and all the grass in that area was just burned. Mm. Yeah. Makes me sad. Poor doggies. Yeah, because that you know that orb was like, hey y'all, <laughs> I just want to play with your cows and your dogs. <laughs> No reason to be scared of me. I just want to eat you. No. You just, y'all look so tasty and nice. Little tasty morsels. (laughs) Yep. So, (laughs) uh, there was another story um, where they see, um, like, their cattle is starting to act oddly. And he immediately, Terry, pulls out his compass. Because he has learned at this point, this is after a couple of years on the ranch, that every time something goes on, like, the compass will react to it. So he pulls out his compass. And it's aiming straight at the middle of the herd of cattle. And as he's, like, watching the cattle behaving oddly and watching his compass aiming at them, they split, to quote the book, as if it were the Red Sea parting. And he's like, "What? why are they splitting? And why is the compass pointing right in the middle of this split? Because hmm. normally the, cow, the cow, cattle would want to herd together. Together, they right. Get, they get closer together when they get scared. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then half the herd just starts moving south, and so is the compass needle. Starts moving south. At which point, he and his son get, you know, like, they're on their horses watching all this, so they, like, are trying to herd them back, and they're not listening to them at all. They're just being herded this other direction. And that's when they realize there are two golf ball-sized red orbs that are zipping in and out of the herd. And, uh, they're... (laughs) Sorry. Something in front of my face. Oh, that's just the ghost. <laughs> and, no, no, uh, we, we had to have sex or size. It's fine. Could be a spider. I'm good. <laughs> She's crazy. So, I wasn't sure if she was pantomiming for the story Jen, or... Jenny's, they can't see you. Jenny's bolting... It's a podcast. Jenny's bolting across the field. <laughs> She's been um, spooked. <laughs> Don't look her in the eye and she'll be Okay. <laughs> I'm good. Continue. <laughs> so, it immediately became clear to the Shermans that the cow were being herded by these orbs, and they were pushed off a 15-foot cliff into oh, a geez. ravine where a stream was. Oh, wow. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. Um, they didn't That's lose as many as... Nice. Yeah. Did you say, oy, oy, oy. They didn't lose as many as they thought that they were going to lose from this. Uh, That's what I would say. If, if half of my herd of cattle oy, oy, oy. pushed oy, oy, off oy. a cliff to their death, I'd just look and go, oy, oy, oy. Again, in two years, they lost 20% of their cattle. Like That's a lot of money for a cattle yeah. rancher. Because all your money is in that meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, that there is tragic. Just like chunky chains. That, that oh, there's tragic. Oh, yo, yo. Should have just chained him up back. Could have kept him that way. Mm-hmm. Ding, dang, darn cattle. Oh, yo, yo. They don't know how to not run off a hill. It's ridiculous. Well, oh, cattle so mutilations is another big thing that happened. Mutil- yes, that was sure, something, right? I, yeah, where, so because 
I, I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point too, like cattle mutilations, there's no way it could really be a predator because of the surgical precision of it all. Mm-hmm. And the lack of blood. Yeah, absolutely zero blood. Like, again, with the, the one that disappeared in the snow, several others were mutilated in the snow. And snow, bright white, uh, blood would appear pretty easily on it and not one drop on the snow. Yeah. When these things get... It's bizarre. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> one day, a tall, blonde stranger appears on the ranch. Because he heard through the neighbors and everything. Because neighbors see stuff, too. Uh, and so he th- heard through the neighbors, like, hey, can I just, like, come on the ranch? Like, I'm not going to be a big deal. You know, I just want to come in here and meditate for a little bit. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, it was Terry's son who had this really amused look on his face. And Terry saw it, and he's like, sure, come on in. <laughs> and so they, like, loaded him up in the UTV, and they drive him around the ranch until he finally says, like, right there. I want to go over there. And it's, like, this little clearing in front of a tree line. And he's like, I'll be fine. You know, he sits down, he starts meditating, and they're just kind of watching. For, they drive away a little bit, and they just kind of watch to see what happens. <laughs> and sure enough, after a little bit, like, they start to, they hear something in the trees, and they're like, does he hear that? Because he's not reacting at all. Like, does does this guy hear what's happening right now? And uh, then they realize, like, no, he probably doesn't, because it's getting louder. He's and he's not talking to something. He's not reacting at all to this, as they see what looks like a heat mirage, that, like ripple effect, mm-hmm. move out of the tree line and really fast uh later they calculated like the time versus the distance and they mathed it out probably moving 50 to 60 miles an hour wow this blurry image just zips right up onto the meditator guy it's predator (laughs) i'm getting to that so and it roars in the guy's face to the point where he like jumps up from his stance and falls over in the other direction and, like, runs away. Well, he noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, oh, my goodness. And um, then a few weeks later, they said they were watching Predator, and they go, Oh, my God! That's a thing we saw! Oh <laughs> you one ugly mother. <laughs> Get to the chopper! <laughs> yeah. I want Hawkins body found! <laughs> Get to the chopper. And then what? Did it just go no. away? Yeah, it ran back did into... Did melt off? Because after it roared and he ran one direction, it's like, all right, like he's gone. And it turned and ran back into the woods. Huh. And they called it like a pixelation mm-hmm. effect. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. That's crazy. Light bending. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, really weird. And, and that's when they realized, like, is this... Because the, they're like, maybe it was a suit. Or like some kind of uh, like um, like a robot or drone. They're like, well, Clothing what if it? Mechanism. Yeah, they're like, it, it's hmm. after seeing Predator. That's when they realize, like, mm-hmm. it's probably just some kind of technology that it can wear, hmm. and that's why yeah. you know we don't really see it. And so then there's a, a moment where this is after Nids joins in buys the property and starts experimenting but Terry keeps coming back to help them because he has unfinished business with this freaking place and uh, so he's out there (laughs) in the woods with them uh, uh, with the author of the book and you know it's late at night and they're just kind of looking around surveilling the woods 
And then they see two yellow eyes looking at him from the trees. And Terry, being Terry, goes, Oh, right there! And he starts <laughs> shooting at the thing. <laughs> He's like, I see it! I see it! And <laughs> I just imagine it's, a, it, it's the scene in Predator... Where, the, where they're tear down totally, the jungle. They're totally demolishing. They're firing almost every round they have <laughs> and taking down trees, <laughs> decapitating bushes. They're they're just obliterating the jungle. But I just imagine it's just Terry <laughs> with his thirty odd six just going. Ah, ah, ah. Everyone else is like, "Oh my god, dude!" <laughs> to calm on down. <laughs> he, he's like jacked up on like ten cups of coffee. <laughs> he's just, ah. In actuality, he like he 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 locks in his aim. You know, he sights it in and. Uh, fires off a shot and they see like the the two yellow eyes like go black and it drops so like they see this black form fall out of the trees oh wow and then he's like oh it just got up it just got he shoots two more times at it (laughs) (laughs) and then they like start chasing after it um and they couldn't find much at first they because they're looking around for any kind of way to track this thing and finally they see one footprint and it had two clawed like toes, very similar to a bird of prey, like a raptor of some kind. Hmm. But they yeah. never found it. But it was the, large. Yeah. The body. yeah no. Huh. Very, My very creepy. Favorite story though is how they believe they saw Bigfoot up in a tree. I was gonna skip all that. There are a lot of big there's a whole chapter on Bigfoot sightings. To go here. back well, you to don't, your Bigfoot. You don't have to skip it, because that's kind of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> We figured that would be for you because that's more of a or, cryptid. We're more in the paranormal, and, and that is like, oh and that's something we can get into next, <laughs> yeah, you know, next episode yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. You can talk to us next time. And we'll be amazed. That's part of the craziness of Skinwalker Ranch is that everything happens here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. If if you think it's possible anywhere in the world, it happens in this place. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of Brandon Fugel and and Adamantium Holdings and his team that he put together, you know, for the sh- for the show. But I think he would have done it anyway. I think he yes. well, he already had the team before yeah. the show started. So yeah, and it, it's part of like his whole purpose in life is to discover what is actually going on. Yeah, why? Why does all this happen here? Yeah. There are so many reports, so many stories. People not not just the true believers, people who don't believe in this stuff at all come onto the ranch and become believers and have experiences and stuff that and even experts, experts yeah. in their fields come onto the ranch and can't possibly explain by their own knowledge and logic and and everything, what exactly is going mm-hmm. on? Then uh, there's all the iconography inscribed into the rocks. There's a Masonic imagery mm-hmm. carved into the rocks. Um, there's also an ancient uh, Ute inscribing, and it's a spiral circle, like a portal, Ooh. just carved into some of the rocks out there in the uh, in the. Uh, mm-hmm. The ledge where the path of Skinwalker is. Yeah, and it, all these the pe- Mesa, all these people are having these experience experiences 
it's become this um, private mecca. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can you can go there if you you know maybe have enough scratch. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you can give a little donation to Fugel's uh, campaign of discovery. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, to go back to the Utes and the Navajo, they knew that this was a strange and special place long ago. I, I, I said to Jenny when I was doing some research on the location itself, like the topography, and I was trying to get an idea of where... You, you watch the shows and the documentaries and stuff, mm-hmm. and you don't really get a great idea. Even when they show the maps, you don't really... Everything's so quick and cut together. Yeah. You don't get an idea of where everything is. So I, I actually looked it up on Google Maps on the satellite image so I could see where everything is in relation to each other. And I discovered that less than a half a mile away on the Mesa is a sacred stone circle for Mm. the Utes and the Navajo. And so that was a place where shamans would go and do vision quests and try to gain power for their medicine and all this kind of stuff. And so they were tapping. They knew that that place was a place to tap into power. Yeah, Mm yeah. And now here you have now modern uh, groups going in there saying, okay, the power's here. Why is it here? Where is it coming from? And uh, if you're there long enough, apparently you also question what does it want? Yeah. Which is the creepiest <laughs> part of the whole thing. Yeah. Because almost to a person, even hardcore dyed in the wool scientists start talking about it. They start Mm -hmm. talking about the ranch and the basin as an it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It has a personality. Yeah. It reacts. It it has intention. It has, uh, to some people, it has um, a a level of malevolence. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. I would almost even more describe it as the basin is ambivalent to what you want. It, It doesn't care. Yep. You're you're a flea on its back, and it's going to do what it wants, go where it wants, and if if you get excited, it's it, it it's not that it cares, it's not that it's happy, it's going to quickly quash you of that yeah that impression yeah that I'm is, sure we'll talk about that next that episode where where every time you try an experiment. It just fails. That's the biggest yeah. problem Miserably. and the most frustrating thing. There's all these stories, but very little hard evidence because yeah. it does not want to be captured on film or instruments. Or yeah. Equipment fails. And and like we were talking earlier today, you know, Kyle was saying that the lack of evidence becomes evidence uh-huh. in itself because how likely is it that you know, this equipment dies every single time you do yeah. this experiment. Yeah, exactly. Or you, yeah. you, you, know, it, you it, see it with your eyes, but you can't capture it on film. It would be one thing if it was just, oh, my computer, oh, this one computer crashes all the time. Mm-hmm. You say, well, that computer's junk. Get yourself a new uh-huh. computer. But this is almost every piece of equipment that comes on to the ranch. Yeah. Um, unless it's there for a long time where you can actually repair it and fix it on the ranch mm-hmm. and get it working and then it's like a permanent part of the ranch. 
but anything that comes on from outside to a device fails, yeah. dies, glitches, you know, and it's like what one or two <laughs> is coincidence. It's one thing. Yeah. But when it's every single time mm-hmm. somebody comes onto the ranch and tries to do an experiment with new equipment that hasn't been there before, yeah. it fails. Yeah. It has electronic issues. It has electrical issues. Um, so it's just, it's really, really odd, really out there. Yeah. One um, thing I think that helps with this case and uh, this ranch especially is the fact that UAPs and UFOs are now fact. You know? Yeah. The, you know, like, mm-hmm. these are, they are now officially real things that are, you know... Government talks go- about. Yeah. Whoa, uh, that, that there's official documented footage. It's not just, like, some random people saying, like, look what I filmed, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, this is real, factual things now. We still don't know if they're what extra-dimensional, they or if they're yeah. just yeah. test craft, or what, mm-hmm. but we do know that they exist. So I think that helps with scientists no longer being afraid to lose their credibility by researching it. Yeah, At least to a little bit of a degree. There's still that stigma where if you research it, you're probably going to lose a lot of your uh, stature within the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in certain circles, you're you're still definitely going to lose your credibility. Yeah. Um, However, the more information that comes out... And the more I think, I think the government really needs to be pushed to keep putting out there the evidence that they get. I think mm-hmm. I think that that the Navy films of the Tic Tacs yeah. and things um, are great, but really the government didn't actually intend for those to come out. No, you know, that was, <laughs> not, yeah, definitely not. Whatever conspiracy theory you ascribe to, those got leaked by the press. And I, I feel like there was, like, them kind of being like, yeah, okay, now moving on. You know, like, <laughs> right. re- because mm-hmm. that like should a, have been huge news, yeah. and it should it still should be something people news, talk yeah. about. Yeah. Same thing with the UAP report. When they, they did the whole UAP yeah. report, it was, um, they say, okay, well, 99% of these we found were misidentifications or uh, natural phenomena, Oh, but uh, there was one or two. <laughs> you know, and, and they quickly glaze over that. And, yep. and, and yeah, we're going to keep investigating. Don't worry. Yeah. We're going to keep investigating. Don't worry about it. We're on it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there is this one documentary on Amazon. I forget what it's called, but I'll have to send you the link when I find it. Um, it's kind of a nutcase kind of documentary. You know, the, the host of it, he like he's made several of these documentaries. I think we've actually talked about the series before. But he has, he finds some really neat government documents. Uh, oh, is it Stephen Greer? I think so. Doctor Stephen Greer. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he, like, he's he's the lead proponent of the disclosure movement. Yeah, he wants the government to completely right. disclose everything that they know about all yeah. of this. And he found some documents. I think it was from the JFK administration. One of the lines in the document literally just says, "Extra extraterrestrials exist." Period. Yeah. And like that's it. That's, that's all you get. Like it's an itemized list of like things they have learned from the search, and that's like item three well, in the list. Yeah. And yeah. Well, like, <laughs> and, you know, that document just kind of gets <laughs> yeah, pushed aside. Like, yeah. and, 
And I think if if I do verge into conspiracy on this stuff at all, mm-hmm. it's to say that I think the government would love to just be able to use these phenomena to further their own ends. In every case, in every situation, mm-hmm. the government wants to try to steer the conversation to where they want it to go yeah. as opposed to steering it where everyone else might naturally take it. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's one of Stephen Greer's big things. He says there we have uh, zero evidence, actual evidence. You know, There's anecdotal stuff about scary abductions and things like that. He goes, but from everything that he's found in his research, there's actual zero physical evidence to say that any of this is threatening or mm-hmm. dangerous or male- He's like, if they have this tech, these technologies, if these are real nuts and bolts aliens that have the tech to travel across star systems, you know, at the speed of light or go interdimensional or whatever, yeah. they could have killed us ten times over by now. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have nothing that can compete. <laughs> yeah, you know. So anybody that tells you otherwise is trying to sell you on the narrative that they want for some purpose, whatever mm. that is. Um, but, I personally welcome our alien overlords. <laughs> I like to I imagine that they're coming here. This is like the rustic, like you know, camping trip. Do you want to go to the Earth it's and quaint. see what's happening? Oh, look at them. Look at them driving with their cars with all of these falls. He goes, oh, remember? Oh, that's the armpit of that's the all of, And all of our ancient fictions we learned about, you know, fossil fields. Oh, they're so, mm, they're so oh, quaint. They're so, oh, my gosh. Like look babies. at them eat. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, my gosh. They think that's good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that one's got a smile. Oh, <laughs> That one invented that. Oh, it's so proud of its new techno. Aww. All right, don't watch this. This is when they. This is when they use the bathroom. Don't watch that. <laughs> Ew, what is it? What is bathroom? <laughs> we'll just go back and beyond that. All you, all you need to know is about the three seashells. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, quiet, quiet, guys, quiet. The new war starting. <laughs> this is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched I've watched this 20 times. <laughs> it's always different but yet the same. <laughs> Look at their puny guns. I find something new every time. <laughs> so, anyway, so we thank you guys so much for uh doing this series. We're halfway through. We're going to do a little twofer. That's yep. our first little double fur. double whammy. One fur? Yeah, a one fur of a twofer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so are you going to discuss all the parallel universe stuff next week yes, and the next, portals? Next talk week. some UFOs, too. Can we discuss yeah, Terry's favorite stump, though? Oh, uh, yeah, we do I need to bring up his Terry favorite stump. He has a favorite stump. A favorite yeah, I got stump. this ding-dang-darn stump. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a good it, it's four feet high, so it's good for him to just prop his elbows on and use his binoculars. <laughs> it's his favorite stump. <laughs> But yes, next week we're going to discuss the uh, the more modern. Uh, well, I mean the Shermans are modern, but uh, once the, the more inve- recent. once the investigations start, more which scientific. I mean, more of the Nids stories Nids, will be Brandon Fugel stuff. We can talk about welcome. that. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk Try about us. Robert Bigelow. I definitely want to get into the fact that Jesse Ventura was oh. after some Robert Bigelow. 
and we're going to talk about Brandon Fugel, and um, I mean, it's a TV show. It's it's the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch is super hyper produced, so scripted, but, so scripted. But, but there's a lot of real science. Like they're yeah, actually cool. trying. Yeah, yeah they're real. Know? They're really yeah. trying to make sense of something that is just plain odd yes and, and i can appreciate that i can appreciate the the struggle they have in trying to within within the the um the confines of our current the, technology with, with, well, yeah. and within, within the cage production. of reality television <laughs> yeah. to try to really do some good science within a reality TV scenario yeah, that I can good job. that I can only think had to have been agreed to because Brandon Fugel was like, look, I have a lot of money, but I need some TV money to kickstart this sucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need that Discovery Channel money. Alien. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and as he as he loves to say, wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we will convene again in one week. Excellent. To, in the well house. In the well house dun, dun, dun. to discuss uh, the scientific possibilities <clears throat> and the possible wormholes and portals and the interdimensionality, the ultra-dimensionality. I have some weird stories and that happened to NIDS. Bigfoot. Nice. And Bigfoot. And we're going to get in... and bulls. We're going to get into Jenny's favorite, maybe maybe touch on, are these the machine elves oh, at God. work? Oh, <laughs> God. Yay, I can't wait to talk about the stupid freaking machine elves. <laughs> Don't exist. Can't wait. How about so, the giant snake that drowns people? What? Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, too. There's a giant snake that drowns people. Yeah, yeah. We skipped over that because more of a cryptid. Oh. We have a Loch Ness monster oh. in Utah. Oh, mm-hmm. well, in, in we the can basin. talk about that. Ooh, yeah. Giant snakes. Yeah. I believe in that more than the machine elves. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You, you and Tessie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Go for a ride. <laughs> so. We will be back in the Wellhouse next week. Um, please, 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 uh, if anyone in the sound of my voice loves ghosty stories and dark history, please check out the Wellhouse Exorcism and check out Games Overboard mm-hmm. and check out what's the Dungeons and Dragons one? Danger and Dice. Danger and Dice. <laughs> Games um, Board has a YouTube channel. We have lots of interviews for people like Jimmy yeah. Stegmeyer. Yeah, how can, how can people reach you if they want to reach out with their own paranormal stories Just and questions? Just go on gamesoverboard.com. Everything is there. Yeah, there's a, a contact, contact page. Button. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you just email us at gamesoboard at gmail.com. Honestly, fastest way, though, Facebook. Facebook. Send us a message. We reply like that. Yep. We love our Facebook. I don't care how old we are. We're 36 years old. We use the Facebook. I... <laughs> It sounds great. Uh, We love the show. I I obviously, not only do I listen to the show, but I comment on the show. You have a part on the show. It it basically started as my annoying comments after every episode. (laughs) And they said, let's just throw this guy in the mix. Um, Because I love ghosty stuff even more than I love interdimensionality. I just want to say, um, it's um, (laughs) Ouija. Yeah, I have a I have a tagline. You do. I have a tagline. So we will see you guys next week. 
with the second installment of the Skinwalker Ranch. And as always, from me, from Jenny, from Shanna, from PJ, we will see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Later, Gators. See ya. Bonsoir. <laughs> oh. <laughs>